Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Spotcast. Stardate 96858-MARK-01. My name is Timitro and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my number one. <laughs> trying, to think of a, trying to think of a, yeah, number one, whatever. Chief, Chief Science Officer? Yeah, chi- oh, yes. Chief Science Officer Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga, <laughs> on the USS Mississauga. That's right. Always a pleasure to be on board. Yes. I should have said I'm on the USS Toronto, shouldn't I? If, yeah. Hmm. We could do that again, I guess. Yeah, you want to try it again? Sure. All right. Welcome to Spotcast. Start at 96858-MARK-01. My name is Tim Mitra, and I am on the USS Toronto, and I'm joined once again by, what are you, Chief Science Officer? Chief Science Officer. Jonathan Kuline on the USS Mississauga. Hello! Alrighty then. So yeah, we have no Jaime. He's off uh, He's off gallivanting in the, in the UK. Yeah, doing, he's uh, doing a world traveler. on Brexit. Yeah, yeah. What's he going to steal for us this time? What did he steal last time? Well, he, I, I'm still waiting. I assume there's a package coming from his trip to Japan. I haven't gotten it yet. Well, that's true. I haven't got mine either, but uh, I actually think I am getting something from Japan. What? I don't know. There's been no exchange of, of gold plus or pressed latinum or anything like that, so oh, don't know. Good. Anywho, all right, well, let's dig in. Let's do some uh, fact check. So, Jonathan, you got some fact check? I do have some remember. fact check. So, uh, we, uh, we'll start at 8.45 into our last episode. Uh, we talked about uh, the ship that escaped Asgard at the end of Thor Ragnarok and that was attacked by Thanos at the beginning of uh, Avengers Infinity War uh, according to uh, sources online it's called the Statesman no idea I don't think that was ever mentioned but uh, yeah it's the Statesman so yeah and the, so when does he lose his eyeball uh, at the end of that movie right he, uh, sometime no. in the movie he, he loses it in the fight with um, does he lose it in the fight with Hela maybe that's his sister right yeah 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 hmm alright anyway uh, alright so 2154 uh, we were talking about the door of the Explorer uh, trailer for the movie version. Uh, you had mentioned uh, that uh, you had a note that you thought that um, I had said that the Tomb Raider reminded me of Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider movies. You said bad it, set of movies, bad movies. You said it reminded you more of uh, Alicia Vikander's, which is the reboot. Yes, which is the reboot. And and after you mentioned, I was listening to last uh, last podcast, and you said it reminded you of Easy A a little bit. To me, I actually as I lo- looked at it one more time, it reminded me. Mean Girls. Uh, it had that sort of like girl who grew up in the jungle, doesn't know how to behave in high school kind of vibe to it. Yeah, she's sort of the Lindsay Lohan character there. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Which uh, I haven't seen that movie, so I have no frame of reference. I've only seen Easy A yeah. as, a, as a sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, I, I like both those. Both those movies are great. Um, Actually, that one doesn't. I was just thinking that was, I was going to say that was what has Heath Ledger, but no, that was the one, the retelling of the Shakespeare one with uh, 
Oh, that's Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, they did uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah, which, which was Taming of the Shrew. Right. Uh, Twenty three uh, thirty. Last episode, Spy Kids. We talked about Spy Kids was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and Dora and the Lost City of Gold is directed by James Bobin, who uh, is also the director of the reboot of the Muppets with, that starred Jason Segel a few years ago, and also oh, okay, uh, the right. second version Muppets Most Wanted. So I still haven't seen that one either. Too now you mention it. Hmm. Muppets or Muppets Most Wanted. Most Wanted. Is that on the uh, the Netflix? Uh, or maybe the Muppets. I haven't seen the Muppets reboot either, right? I, I couldn't tell you if you had. I, I saw them both with my, my children in the movie theaters. Um, the Muppets was great. It's a really lovely sort of homage to the show, and uh, there's sort of a real good sort of vibe to it. The second one... It felt a little forced. Uh, it's got some good moments, but it's um, it, it, it's a little less, a little less than. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty four fifty four. We talked about Machete, uh, which is also uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, who also wrote it. And uh, we were talking about Danny Trejo, who uh, was in Desperado, but he was not in El Mariachi, which is Robert Rodriguez's uh, sort of breakout indie film. Mm, yeah. Uh, Twenty six thirty three. But he plays in um, in Breaking Bad, right? Yes. Danny, Danny Trejo. So, and isn't it, is that same, uh, we need a Spanish speaking person here on the show. I wish we had new one. <laughs> um, but isn't that what, because he ends up on a tortoise in the end of the, yeah. in his life and on the Breaking Bad, right? He does. Uh, yeah. It's, there's a whole sort of plot. I don't know. It's, is it too late for spoilers on Breaking Bad? Yeah. There's, there's yeah, kind of that sort late. of irony is that they end up as, he ends up as the severed head on top of the tortoise walking through the right. desert. Yeah. 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 Uh, twenty six thirty three. I I looked at this and we talked about it, and you seem to recall that there yeah, was a no, craft I just, TV show. To, I, was, I looked myself, and I couldn't figure out why. Why do I think the the craft is a TV show? I think there there has been. I mean, there was there was Charmed that was sort of the Charmed. Same. It's probably Charmed. Yeah, which was a very similar idea of the sort of you know young witches. They're you know young and they're hip, but they're witches, and they had their coven and stuff like that. So I that was immediately where my mind went after we stopped talking last week about about the craft. Um, but yeah, there was no craft TV show, uh, no TV version of the craft, I should say. And we talked about the craft film being remade by Blumhouse last uh, episode. Um, but yeah, there, there's been a whole bunch of different versions over the years of sort of the, you know, young witches and magic and stuff like that sort of become en vogue, but, uh, alas, not the actual craft by brand mm. name. Uh, 3950, we talked about, uh, I had, I had mentioned Star Wars Celebration. So I was saying maybe we get some insight into that poster and maybe some insight into uh, maybe a trailer timeline or a name for episode nine. Um, I had mistakenly thought that it was actually last weekend, but it's actually uh, April 11th to the 15th in Chicago. So it's actually still pending. Uh, there are a lot of rumors on, on the interwebs about, uh, yeah, that we will we'll finally get a title, uh, a proper title for episode nine. Maybe we'll see our first trailer, um, and, and there'll be some unveilings there. So that, uh, yeah, still another, another week and a half for that one, but it'll be exciting to see what finally comes out of that. It does seem very sort of quiet from Star Wars land right now. So, yeah. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the sort of conferency thing where they, they broadcast live, right? Yeah. They do a big, oh, uh, they do a, a yeah, it's, it's like, it's a big deal. I've obviously never been, but um, yeah, they, they they bring out a lot of you know top line talent. Uh, they bring out the not just the actors uh, who have played the famous roles, but they bring out the people who do the special effects. They bring out the people who write. They bring out like all these different people, and they have all these panels and costumes. And yeah, it's it's a big you know it's a very big phenomenon the the celebration event. I didn't realize it was so close to Toronto as well. Yeah, you want to get in the car? We'll uh, you know head on down to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last thing. 
thing we have for our fact check. So uh, I had mentioned uh, as one twenty five thirty five. We were talking about Detective Comics hitting issue one thousand, uh, and I knew that there was a bunch of variants. Uh, so there are ten standard variants. There are sort of ten standard covers that you can go into any comic store and buy, and then from there there are variations. I counted based on uh, an article I found online, and there are at least eighty five variations on the cover. Wow. Um, now some of those are, it'll be a piece of art that's drawn by somebody and then they'll put out a variation that is, uh, uh, without a title on it. So it just, it just shows the art and then there'll be a variation that shows what the black and white ink, uh, drawing looked like. And then there'll be a variation that'll be, you know, uh, yeah, the foil laminated, you know, version of it or whatever. So there's all these different versions of it. And and, uh, yeah, I went through and did a count and the number I got was 85, but that may have been an incomplete list. So if you're looking to complete your full run of all the different variations you can purchase for uh, Detective Comics 1000, Landmark 1000th, uh, 1000th issue, you'll uh, be looking at... So they're 10 bucks a pop. I was going to ask how much they are, yeah. Yeah, 10 bucks a pop US. So there's a, obviously a, an exchange uh, for Canadian dollars. But yeah, 10 bucks US a pop, 85 different covers. So uh, yeah, you're going to drop down almost a thousand bucks. Um, and that's, again, some of the variants are obviously very rare because you know that's how you they get you on the the variants so it's probably more likely that you'll be spending a couple thousand bucks if you wanted to have the whole collection so so i was googling last week and apparently or looking to see where it's available online and on amazon they have the hardcover coming out in june is that that a, a different kind of beast or what yeah i saw that too i i know they did that for action comics 1000 came out last year um and what they did was actually uh a book that was a collection of all the covers and uh sort of talked about the history and stuff like that so it wasn't necessarily like uh, the stories as much as it was um, a commemoration right oh okay so I don't know if that's what Detective has as well but I think that's probably a safe bet right right okay yeah well like I said it's all the old all Jonathan show so once you hit us with some headlines yes so let's start at the top here so uh, as we discussed in last episode uh, we had some speculation online when tickets were going to go on sale for Avengers Endgame uh, they did go on sale exactly Exactly when we when we had uh, prognosticated that uh, April second they went up for sale at midnight. Uh, the backlash here was pretty uh, pretty nasty because it, they went on sale at midnight with no fanfare. They just went up for sale. Uh, Cineplex here in Canada put out on their social channels. Uh, I think it was sometime around eight o'clock in the morning. They started saying, "Hey, by the way, you can get your tickets now." Eight hours after they had already gone on sale. Yeah, they were pretty much gone by then. Yeah. Yeah, and then. Uh, and then promptly their website crashed and was down for several hours uh, during the purchase period. Meanwhile, in the United States, uh, AMC's uh, ticket sales went down. Uh, they got slammed. Uh, they had huge issues as well. So there was huge problems with people buying tickets. Uh, it was a as as you could expect. It was gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The prediction, you know, we talked last week about you know they're talking about you know two hundred to three hundred million dollars in the first. Uh, uh, weekend alone, yep. which is staggering. Um, so apparently, 
some people were so frustrated with their inability to be able to purchase tickets for opening night that there has suddenly become this secondary market for movie mm-hmm. tickets. So people mm-hmm. are going on to sites like uh, Kijiji or eBay or Craigslist, and they are posting uh, that you can get yourself a, a fine pair of tickets to go see Avengers Endgame on the opening show uh, at you know six o'clock on uh, opening night. But instead yeah. of costing you uh, you know a couple of bucks or whatever you know 15 20 bucks for a movie ticket they're looking for 150 bucks a pop yeah so yeah pretty crazy that uh i i I can't even i can't even fathom i like i mean obviously you know i bought secondary market tickets for you know a sporting event or a a rock concert or something like that i I never thought i would see the day where a a movie would be so in demand that people want to see it so much on the opening day again this is something that is going to be playing you know every day for probably several months in the movie theater uh, it, it across, you know, hundreds of movie theaters, thousands of movie theaters across North America for, you know, I, I don't even know how many screenings that's going to be. And people are so desperate to see it on the opening night. They're willing to shell out a couple hundred bucks. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so good luck to those people who really desperately need to see it. Uh, I managed to score a couple of tickets for uh number one fan and I to go see it uh, on uh, the Friday, uh, Friday evening. Uh, what? Oh yes. Right. <laughs> Friday evening. Uh, as, as our, uh, our, our beloved uh, host of the show here will be uh, somewhere sunning himself on the beach and won't, won't be there for the show, but that's all right. Yeah. I might have to go see it in Hawaii or something like that. Yeah. So it turned, well, we actually did end up buying three tickets for the, the Saturday, but turns out, that I realized, didn't realize at the time when I bought the tickets that I'm going to be in Hawaii. Yeah. And then you're busy that night. So we ended, so fortunately, a friend of mine, hello, Darren, is going to, is going to uh, take two of the tickets anyway off of our hands or my hands. Yep. So, yeah, it was a com- comedy of errors this weekend. But, but yeah, I, I, many of my friends were lamenting the fact that they couldn't get tickets. In fact, we, we were taping um, uh, more than just code yesterday, and a new co-host, Drew Freeman, was, sick, was saying he was having a hard time getting tickets, too. So, yeah. They were very difficult, unattainium in the United States as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, surprising. It's it's, it's, uh, it's a funny thing. Again, I I've paid a premium to go see things. You know, I paid premiums to go see rock concerts and sporting events and other things. I, I but those are you know again a band comes to your t- town once and a one night only kind of a, a sporting event events. is a one of a kind event. You know, you can say oh there are you know eighty two games in a in a hockey season or a basketball season or or one hundred and sixty two baseball games a year or whatever. They're all unique. Uh, a movie's a movie, <laughs> and and I'm as rabid a fan as anybody else. You know, maybe more so in, in a lot of cases. But uh, paying a premium to do that, like honestly, it made me think to myself. You know, I think Cineplex left a lot, or, or movie theaters. Again, I, I will keep it to North America, but I think they left a lot of money on the table. They really should have done like opening night pricing. Like, well, doesn't that make you think? Like, they well, really could have said, like, oh, you want to go see it on opening night, fifty bucks a pop. Well, yeah, that's that's that's. That's I don't I don't know if they could get away with that kind of logic because people would would just be up in arms. But but here's another thought. So so we compared this to um, our favorite uh, conference, which is WWDC, where you have to enter a lottery to get the chance to buy a ticket. Yeah. Right. And uh, last year, I think there's a number of uh, of bands who are doing that now. Like I went to see Robert Plant last year and uh, last summer, and he before the before the concert was announced had basically a lot 
lottery. You you sent in a you, you you sent in your name, your email address for a chance to buy one of the tickets. Yep. Um, and you weren't guaranteed to get one. In fact, I I did enter it and I didn't get one. I ended up going seeing. I think I bought them on a resale site, uh, like a couple nights before the show or the night of the show. But um, I just waited till the price dropped to, to a reasonable amount of money and then bought them. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's like so. It, it's surprisingly like you know when you called me, you contacted me at eight o'clock in the morning and I went looking on because it was my turn to buy as we mentioned last week right mm-hmm. um, but I went on to to buy them and Thursday night was completely gone well Thursday night was my recording night anyway yeah Friday was completely gone and then and then Saturday was sort of the only and of course Saturday then we can like, you know always go out to Mississauga and and watch it right so yeah but you know it was only that particular night that were, that were any any I mean decent seats so, I mean like this, the, the center of the of the you could sit at the edge you could sit at you know up front which is horrible for IMAX but um, it's tough but we were also talking last week about uh, this is a bit of follow up from last week we were talking about how are they going to squeeze a three hour movie into into a theater and I noticed as I was looking through the various theaters to see how the tickets were w- tickets were available and what shows were available they're staggering them from one one theater to another like mm-hmm. in a place where they have an IMAX obviously they can only do two or three but they're starting them at like six in the morning or something ridiculous like that they're starting them like during the day right yeah but they're staggering them so like you know when when you would think one film it's not like they're back to back in one theater it's like they're it goes in one theater and then they stagger it into another another actual room yeah if you know what i'm saying right so yeah i mean it, it it's funny like those premium shows to go see it in uh, in imax or ultra vx or anything like that you know they most theaters only have a couple of those you know um, and yeah yeah so yeah you're right they're, they're, they're there are going to be a lot of screenings, but there also there's only so much you can do with a movie that's three hours and two minutes long, plus commercials, plus trailers, uh, you know, plus the time it takes to go in and, and scrub the floors in between shows. It's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, interesting. Although again, I I don't think they're going to be hurting for money on this one. It sounds like they have done some pretty crazy bank already. Well, by the same token, though, I mean, like I don't know that the pricing. I mean, I paid twenty dollars a piece for each of the seats, and I don't know what you paid. Probably the same, right? You're yep. going in IMAX. Well, actually, I. I cashed in my scene points i paid nothing <laughs> oh yeah well yeah i got scene po- I, I, yeah, I have some coupon points i gotta figure out how to cash those in but i, I wasn't you know, you know of course it was like you gotta buy them I mean, there's a timer running and you can't really yeah, dick around yeah, with them yeah. too much yeah. i have like three passes that i gotta try and figure out how to use right but yeah. uh anywho yeah well it's a it's an interesting movie it's gonna be i wonder how people are really looking forward to this one it's surprising right clearly yeah so. like again well you know it's true though i mean when when have we ever seen anything like this before it's the culmination of a 22 movie build-up like and True, it ended yeah. on a basically a cliffhanger, right? People yeah, want to yeah. know, you know. Curiosity is human nature. Yeah, yeah. We'll all be we'll all be sadly disappointed on the the day it comes out. Yep. Hopefully not. Anyway, yep. carry on. Okay. So uh, other news. So uh, we got news this week. It's sort of sad news, but not I guess wildly unexpected. So um, we got news that Emily Bett Records, who plays Felicity on Arrow, is leaving mm-hmm. the show at the end of the season. Uh, there's a little bit of a surprise because they had already announced that Arrow was. Going going to be ending uh, after a 10-episode final season starting this fall. It is a little peculiar that she is uh, not
not going to be around for that, although maybe she'll come back as a guest star or something in one of the last the episodes for the last season. Now, spoilers for those who, out there who don't want to know what's going on in Arrow right now, but uh, her character is pregnant. And uh, so there's a convenient way to sort of have her be like, well, I'm going to go have this baby. Uh, I've got to go somewhere safe where the bad guys can't get me. So there's there's a pretty easy out for her character. Um, but it, it, it will be very strange to not have her there. She's been there since season one. Uh, you know, Elicity was a thing. Uh, you know, everybody shipped the two of them together to, for for uh, Oliver and Felicity to get together. But, you know, the, the plan when the show started was to follow along the storylines from the comic books where actually mm-hmm. uh, Dinah, or not Dinah, uh, they call, what do they call her? Uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow end up as a couple. And But there was such a great chemistry between the actors, uh, Stephen Amell and, and Emily Rickards, that, that uh, everybody was just saying, like, these guys should be together, not them. And and so they just went with it and it's been part of the hit of the show. So, so yeah, sort of weird and sad to see her moving on. Obviously, you know, she must be moving on because she has another project she wants to work on and it doesn't make sense to go back for, you know, part of a season or whatever else. But, but yeah, a little bittersweet sort of does start to feel a little bit of finality to the end of uh, what show's been around for seven years. It'll be eight, eighth season in the fall. So, yeah. Interesting. All right. What's next? Uh, a couple uh, casting pieces of casting information. So Black Widow, uh, we've known for a while that Black Widow was going to be uh, probably in this next slate of Marvel movies. Marvel has been very cautious mm-hmm. in not announcing what they're going to do after um, Endgame, although we have gotten news that the Spider-Man movie is coming. We know that they're working on things like The Eternals. We know that they're working on Shang-Chi, we talked about, and we know that they're working on a Black Widow movie. Uh, they haven't really talked very much about it. So this week we got news from a couple of different sources on a couple of different castings for this show. Uh, David Harbour, who is best known probably for being the uh, the cantankerous sheriff on Stranger Things, uh, is allegedly joining the cast. So the Hollywood Reporter had a story saying that Harbour has signed on uh, to co-star along with Scarlett Johansson, obviously, is going to be the Black Widow. And mm-hmm. Variety is reporting that uh, Rachel Weiss is also in talks. Now, apparently she hasn't been fully cast, but she apparently has, quote, strong interest in being in the, in the film. So, I mean, that's some pretty cool A-list cast members to add to that film. I mean, you know, Weiss is a, an Oscar winner and Harbour obviously is a, you know, he not only is he on Stranger Things, but Hellboy comes out next weekend. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, this is an actor who's very much on the rise. So, yeah, some really cool names to add to that. And, you know, if you, if you weren't already in for Marvel movies, you know, that's some... We talked last week about Angelina Jolie being a name that they bring in to add to this, you know, the already this steamroller of movies they've got. But that's a couple of cool actors to add to that stuff, too. There's a new um, um, Marvel show starting tonight, actually. I don't know if you saw that on, on ABC Spark. Uh, what's the new show? Uh, something and something. Cloak and Dagger? Uh, yes, Cloak and Dagger, yeah. Yeah, that's season two. Season, oh, two's, season two. Yeah, okay. season two's first episodes tonight. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the other news we got actually just today was kind of cool. John Cho has apparently been tapped to star in the live action uh, version of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, it's honestly mm-hmm. it's a shame that Jaime's not here. I'm sure he must uh, he must be a Cowboy Bebop fan. I know he's a big anime fan. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is a pretty big deal. So Netflix is going to be doing 
this uh, this live action version of it. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of backlash, and we've talked about it here on the pod about uh, uh, whitewashing and some of the incidents. You know, we Ghost in the Shell is obviously one of the most famous ones where they cast Scarlett Johansson in the role that was obviously a, a Japanese character. Um, so mm-hmm. to see an Asian character getting the chance to play an Asian character from the anime, uh, and John Cho's obviously a terrific actor. Um, that yeah, that just catapults that movie uh, the, to the series into being something that I think has gone from a curiosity to a maybe a must watch. That's that's really cool. Cool, yeah. Um, a couple of uh, confirmed start dates for genre shows. So uh, last weekend we got the news that Swamp Thing, another one of the series that is going to be on DC's All Access app, uh, like the Titan series and hmm. Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing is going to be debuting in May. And uh, we also got news that Agents of Shield is confirmed. So uh, we've got, uh, let's see, I'm just going to double check the dates. <laughs> it's back. It's back. Uh, so May 31st is the date for Swamp Thing. Uh, and the, the one for Agents of Shield, I think, was the 14th. I'm just going to double check it here. Make sure I don't give out erroneous information. Uh, yes, the 10th of May is the date for Marvel's Agents of Shield uh, coming back for a sixth season. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're into that, apparently uh, there's some shakeups. I must admit, I was a, a loyal Agents of Shield follower for the first five seasons, and mm-hmm. then they moved it to Friday nights, and I completely lost track of it. I did yeah, notice too. it's on Crave now. You can watch the entire last season on Crave. So maybe I'll okay. try and uh, try and catch up on that because I, I really did dig that show, um, but it just fell off the radar when it it got yoinked off of. I guess it was on Tuesdays before, and they moved it over to Friday nights, and, and then it just disappeared into the nothingness. So right, right. So a uh, couple last things. So uh, I flagged the the first trailer went up for the uh, Joaquin the Joker. Phoenix yeah. Joker movie. Have you had a chance to look at this one yet? Yeah, I watched. That. I actually put it in as my pick or my headline, but then I noticed you already had it there. So yeah, what, what, what's your take on the on the? Interesting. I mean, sort of, I guess, the origin story. I, I kept wondering, where's Batman in this whole thing? And, you know, you see him walking towards Arkham, Arkham, what do you call it? Arkham Ar- Asylum? Oh, yeah. It's Ar- yeah, it's Arkham Hospital or something. Yeah, there's Arkham some Arkham Hospital. there. Yeah, in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, misunderstood character who, you know, is a, a sidewalk clown who gets beat up. And, you know, I can probably write the story based on what I saw in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah, I. Okay, I'll go on the record right now. Hard pass. Sure. Hard pass. Really? Okay. Hard pass. I, I think he's a he's a fine actor, and I'm sure that it's probably going to be a fine film. But I could not care less. Just yeah, could, he's, he's could, no Heath Ledger, and he's no um... couldn't care less. It, 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 it honestly has nothing to do with his performance. I just the, it, to me, it seems like there's no there there. Like a villain movie has to be sort of you know it's such a delicate balancing act. You know, again, we talked about I watched Venom a couple weeks ago. You know. You know, anti-hero, okay, anti-hero, you can probably pull off, you know, well, he can probably, you know, you can find some redeeming qualities. You know, this is like a descent into madness, right? This is about how somebody goes from being, you know, a little bit off to being a a criminal. Again, I'm sure it's going to be a fine movie, but I don't think that it's like going to be a genre movie. It's certainly not something that, you know, I would consider a must-see movie. I'm I'm not, I'm not into it at all. And it, it just looked sad and depressing and just kind of flat. I, 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 I'm, I am not in, interested in this movie at all. Hmm. Which 
it raises a question for me for you. What do you, what do you think about Glass? Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen Glass yet. I uh, did you intend on seeing it? Or? I I probably will. I'll see it in the same way that I saw. Uh, what was the previous one? The one with the uh, multiple personalities. Uh, yeah, with uh, what's his name? Yeah, the I, Scottish I did, dude. I did see that one. The um, Scottish play. Yeah. Yes, the Scottish one. Um, yeah, it was it. That one was good. But again, I honestly I waited till it was in at the library. Um, mm. It yeah. wasn't really like big for me. I'm I'm a, a casual fan of um, M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. I didn't really, um, you know, I wasn't really on my like to do. And then I heard people talking about it, like, oh, it's actually he's you know back. It's really good. Split. Sorry, that's what called split. Right, um, yeah. yeah, and I had heard good things about it. And it was certainly interesting. It was a little grim. It was a little, like it was certainly wasn't as uh, compelling as um, you know some. I found some of his earlier works. Uh, and then of course they has the big twist. What a twist! He had this big twist where you know oh it's actually tied into the same universe as Unbreakable. And then we got news there was going to be a third piece that was going to tie it all together. Uh, yeah, again, casually interested. You know, like more curious than than compelled. Uh, yeah, I think so too. You know, if it comes onto Netflix or you know, I put a hold on it for whenever it shows up at the library. I'll, I'll certainly give it a watch. Mm-hmm, I, I like mm-hmm. the actors, you know, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. I watch him in anything. You know, Bruce Willis, honestly, is a hit and miss. It just depends on the movie. James yeah. McAvoy is a fantastic actor. So there's enough there to want to see how they, where they went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Unbreakable is a fantastic film. I, I really yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah, for sure. um, so curious to see where they, where they went with that. But again, some of these premises, you know, you're just sort of like, well, okay, you know, thanks, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so our last news item, I thought I would bring this one up. So we've got our first wave this week of uh, Fan Expo 2019 guests. Great. So uh, far, I only see four of them. There's, there's actually five. There's a fifth one. This is They've got four celebrities and a comic book guest so far. Is that Jim Lee? Jim Lee, yes. So Jim Lee yeah. is the comic book uh, sort of guest of honor so far that they've announced. Yeah. Uh, and then four celebrities. We've got uh, David Harbour, we talked about, who's Stranger Things and Hellboy. We've got Zachary Lee. Levi, who's uh, going to be Shazam, the movie that comes out tomorrow. Uh, Jason Momoa, of course, Aquaman, very popular. And the coup de gras, the real get. On the fly. Jeff Goldblum is going to be there, too. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Good, you know, good start for them. All dudes. All right. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> so white dudes. Well, two, two, three out of four are white dudes. Uh, yeah, three out of four. Um, well, to be fair, Goldblum's a space alien, so that's diversity. Uh, he's but He's a space alien. Oh, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's a good start so yeah curious to see uh, how who they add and how much more they add obviously it's it's become very um, celebrity centric so uh, if you if you're there to see the celebrities that's a good start and uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see where they go from there I'm always surprised by the celebrities that I, I mean I don't go there to see the celebrities we just pick a day and go and you know two years ago I, I bumped into Matt Smith and you know I got a got an autograph from him and last year I met cure delay and uh, Gary Lockwood right mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I, I I can't honestly say I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever gone and met a celeb. Like I, I go and meet the comic book creators. So sure, that's yeah. my bailiwick. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever gone and met a celebrity. I did that when I was a kid. I used to go to other, other shows and I would go and, and meet some of the people because they were much smaller scale than they are now. You know, I met all the stars of Star Trek when I was like, you know, eight years old. But right, right. You know, it's back when you could get Walter Koenig or, or James Dewan to show up at your con for, you know, a hundred, yeah. hundred bucks in a case 
of beer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a chance to to, uh, to meet and greet uh, Carrie Fisher or get, get an autograph, but I didn't I didn't take it, you know? Mm-hmm. Regretting that one, of course. I have this lovely framed picture autographed by Carrie Fisher uh, in my in my library. I know, I gave it to it's you. Very ni- oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> She's wearing a gold bikini. It's autographed. Yeah, it's a metal, really, metal it's, bikini, and she puts it in the... really nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's it for our headlines. All righty. Well, that brings us to the main, main feature of the show, which is uh, why we're here. And that's to talk about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, episode 12, season two, the Through the Valley of Shadows. I didn't know the name of the show until I saw it, read your notes here. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so it's my chance to my my turn to recap. So I'll just go through my notes here. That uh, so it starts off. The episode starts with Amanda coming to visit Michael and tell her that uh, she's uh, sorry that you know she got to meet her mom and yeah. And Michael says I lost her and Amanda turns it around and says no no think about it this way you found her. Um, and then Spock interrupts and says hey mom how's it going and and um, they found another signal so they need us up on the bridge and turns out that this particular signal and I believe they said this was the third of nine if I'm not mistaken. Um, third of nine, third of seven, something like that. Anyway, uh, seven Pike of nine? says... Yeah, seven of nine, yeah. The Pike says that uh, it's uh, at a Klingon planet named Boreth that they need to go to, and they, they figure if it's not Michael Burnham's mother, because they kind of messed her up last episode by destroying her time crystal and her suit and uh, whipping her back without her suit into the... into the, into the the uh, What do you call it? In um, the Upside Down? Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they figure it must be another traveler coming back to to do that, right? To change to do that. So, and they discuss, you know, taking the discovery there, and they they realize, well, if they, anywhere they take the discovery that's close to to Leland, they risk uh, control getting a hold of the rest of the data, and they, so they decide they need to protect the ship by keeping it away. So they send uh, decide to send off a. Um, uh, actually, the Discovery goes to the planet. Yeah, they? no. So the Discovery goes yeah. to the planet, and they send uh, Burnham uh, goes on the mission to go and, and right. investigate the Section Thirty One ships. Right to find out what's going on with those. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so the the Kale- or the uh, planet is is basically known for a monastery devoted to Kalesh, um, and so Ash can contact his contacts at the, in the Klingon Empire and, and get uh, get passage, um, and then uh, they. they have a meeting with with uh, Laurel and um, and Volk or sorry Ash and uh, P- and Pike. They're discussing you know who can go down to the planet and and uh, so Ash you know I think Ash sort of says to to uh, to Pike at the beginning that I need to know because this is where my son is, mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't remember him ever telling them about his son. But uh, there you go because he's not supposed to be he's supposed to be not he's supposed to be dead and his son is supposed to be dead too right because Laurel's apparently threw them into the chasm. Yes. Yeah. But um, anyway, so. Uh, turns out that one of the Section 31 ships missed its, its check-in by like 10 minutes. Like, did that set off an ADT alarm or something like that? I'm not sure. Anyway, so Spock and Burnham decide to go... Uh, Burnham decides she's going to go investigate that. And, and Spock says, you're not going alone. I'm going with you, sort of thing. And, and uh, so they go over there to check it out. And um, anyway, so in the conference that Laurel and uh, Ash are having, they discuss, you know, who can go down to the planet and talk to the, the Klingons or the Klingon monks uh, that are down there. And um, Laurel forbids Ash to go down because nobody's supposed to know he's alive and nobody's supposed to know her, the son is alive. So she forbids him to go. And so Pike says, I'll go down. So he'll go down and, and make, make the uh, have an audience with the uh, if Laurel can set it up, right? 
And um, I believe she says to him at the time, or was it the the dude that they meet when they get down there, um, that says, you know, uh, no one can take a time crystal. Yes, it was it was the monk that they meet down there, and the monk's name is Tavanic. Ten of Tavanic. Tavanic or Ten Tenavic? Hmm. I misspelled mm. it. I guess. How do you have it spelled? I had it as Tavanic, but let me uh... Tavanic. Okay, we'll go with Tavanic. Um, anyway, so he he meets them at the door, and it's kind of it's it's weird sort of conversation they have because he's talking about how like nobody can have the crystals and never leave the planet, and, and no one has taken the crystals away without great sacrifice, and so. So I guess you probably heard that as a writer thinking, oh, there has to be a great sacrifice for somebody to get this this crystal, where I kind of went, okay, well, they've, they've closed the door. We're not going to be able to do this, right? Yep. So that's the difference between you and me, I think, right? <laughs> well, it's good um, that you're, you're starting to see the patterns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so uh, they start uh, talking, and um, and uh, they Tavanik and, and uh, Pike are walking towards where they, you know, where, I guess the, the, the shop where they keep the, the crystals. And um, he's talking to uh, Pike, and he kind of says that you know, my, you know, I basically my I had no name when I was when I was sent here to to be a monk, and he says just like my father, and and then he mentions that Ash was his father, so this is apparently the grown up son. Last time we saw him, he was an infant, yeah, and now he's a fully grown guy with this really awesome headgear, which I'm sure somebody's going to wear at, at Comic Con or uh, Fan Expo, yeah, in a couple of week couple of months, right? Yeah, um, and he sort of mentions too. This is a kind of interesting thing that that because of the time crystals, the, the things grow at an unusual rate on this particular planet because the past, the present, and the future are all in the same timeline because of the, the I guess the proximity to the time crystals, right? Yeah. So as uh, as um, meanwhile, meanwhile, on the shuttle that's going off to to investigate this this Section Thirty One chip, uh, Spock is talking to uh, or in in the discussion about going there. Spock and uh, and Burnham are having their brother sister kind of conversation and. Um, so Spock sort of says, well, you know, when you eliminate all the different things that are going on around here, the one common denominator between, you know, the Red Angel and all the events that are happening is you, but Michael Burnham, you seem to be the center of the attention here again. And um, he sort of says, you know, you, you must be angry. She says, no, I'm not angry. I'm enraged. Mm-hmm. And she gives him the enraged look, right? So and he goes, yes, that's an enemy of logic. So they arrive at the, you know, they just like in, in again, I love it when they steal things things from other movies or other TV shows, but just like in, I believe it's, um, it might be Star Wars. Uh, is it Star Wars? Where they come out of warp and they're in the middle of a whole bunch of destruction? Well, yeah, in, in, in uh, yeah, Star Wars Episode Four when they come out of oh, Hyper's Drive and they, uh, they're supposed to be on Alderaan there and it's actually a debris field. Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, so so instead of debris, it's floating, frozen popsicle um, Starfleet officers in Section Thirty. Yeah, I had, it, I had it down as crucicles. Crucicles. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And so, of course, of course. I mean, Jonathan could have written this part. There's one person that still has a life sign. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. So they go and they, of course, they transport him onto the ship and they they you know put him in the microwave on defrost for a few seconds. And of course, it turns out to be somebody that Michael Burnham knows, right? From uh, the Chenzu, Chenzu, I believe.
believe. Shenzhou. Um, from, yeah, Shen- Shenzhou from the very first uh, episodes. Yep. Um, yeah, and his name is Lieutenant Karam Gant. So, Com- uh, Kamran Gant, I had. Kamran Gant. Yeah, K-A-M-R-A-N Gant. Yeah, yeah. Yes, anyway. Um, anyway, so they, they, you know, he tells them how, you know, he was trying to run a subroutine to kick out uh, control, um, which, you know, me being the stupid audience member watching this believes everything this guy says. <laughs> Jonathan probably sees right through it. Um, but uh, that he's he was trying to lock out the, uh, the, the AI, and the AI kicked everybody out into space and basically, you know, killed them all. Uh, except for him, of course. He just we'll happened to be why. wearing a suit that just protected him yep. from yep. dying. Yep. It's a coincidence. Clearly, yes, there's yes. nowhere this is going. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, meanwhile, back on the, the Klingon planet of, uh, what was it called again? Boreth. 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 Anyway, um, we're back in, so now we're in the in the, the, the store where they have the, the time crystals, and um, uh, Trinic says to Pike. Um, oh, you mean you the know, fires of Mordor when they went down down into the basement and the fires oh, no, of Mordor? the little cave where, where Yoda sends uh, Luke in to, to go and face his fears. I know, but it's, it's can... that first scene when they come down, they first sort of enter the scene, and it's glowing. It's clearly well, got like, like a molten. Bridge, yeah, the it, bridge, it, yeah. it honestly looked, I was waiting for like Gollum to be throwing, you know, uh, the, the yeah, ring or in. The Balrath to sort of, no man shall pass. Yeah, it was, it was a very uh, Lord of the Rings vibe in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because, you know, there's only like four artists, digital artists on the world that can do this kind of stuff. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, so they get into this this sort of uh, this this store, and, uh, and of course, like Yoda says to Luke, you know, uh, only you can see for yourself. You know, I can't explain to you what you'll see here. And, and I don't remember him giving him any kind of giving Pike any kind of direction that you're going to see something you're not going to like, right? But um, of course, uh, let's see. Do we skip ahead? Well, he we warned him. He warned him when he first showed up on the planet that he was going yeah. to basically, you know, said, you know, sacrifice. Yeah. No, nobody can get through this experience without a, a major sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. So be prepared. Yeah. And then he walks him down and basically says, you know, grab hold of one of these things and we'll see what happens. Yes, and he sort of says, "I'm in." I, oh, yes, yeah. So this is the part where he he does see the part. I didn't. Yes, I did put that part in here. So yeah, so he he grabs a hold of one of the crystals, and of course he sees himself, you know, in, in on a ship in the future where uh, the warp core is about to blow up and it, it blasts some some one of his crewmen across the the engineering department and he gets he gets blasted with this plasma of, of whatever and of course you see uh, Captain Pike all burned, like his face is all burned up, much like Captain Pike in the Menagerie episode yep. that we talked about last week. And uh, he's already, so, and then the next scene he kind of, he's in a corridor and he sees himself drive up to him, drive up in the wheelchair, a sort of a modern, you know, take on the the electric wheelchair that we talked about, where the other actor who played Christopher Pike is in, um, not Jeffrey Hunter, because I guess they couldn't get Jeffrey Hunter to replay the role, but they have the guy in, in makeup in the menagerie, and of course, so um, Pike sees himself in the future in the wheelchair, all burnt up and unable to move, and and so we, we look at the face of, of uh, Pike in the chair, and he's, his face starts to melt, and he starts screaming and then then we realize that he's you know we're back in the crystal cave that's what it is the crystal cave from crystal from cave. the arthur engine that's right arthur yeah. engine. so he's back in the crystal cave with with um with um merlin and he he jumps back and starts screaming because he's just seen himself where his future is going he's going to be in this this horrible disfigured you know life for himself and um of course he probably can feel all the 
the pain and discomfort that that he would have at that time in the future. Anyway, he says, "I he says to himself, I you know his mantra is I'm I'm in service of I'm a Starfleet captain. I'm in service of Starfleet, so I just have to you know." I can't turn away from this future. I have to get this crystal. I have to solve this problem and so on and so forth. So Tavenic says to him though, like basically you can take the crystal now, but if you do that, you seal your fate, right? Yes. yes, So, so basically you have to choose if you take this crystal, what you saw will a hundred percent come true. Right. And he says, and I honor you. And then, and then I guess it must've been good television or something, but I don't understand this part. Tavenic grabs the crystal from the mountain and hands it to him. So Mm -hmm. wouldn't, Tavanic have some sort of sealed fate disaster uh, thing going on? We'll we'll call that one Klingon mysticism, and and maybe he's immune to being uh, being able to touch them or something. I don't know. Right. So in my notes, I literally have written. Meanwhile, on the ship, because <laughs> because uh, Burnham and and uh, new guy um, Grant Gant and Spock go to the bridge to, because of course you know the oxygen uh, has been restored to the to this uh, ship, which I don't think we got the name of. Of. And um, they, the Section Thirty One ship, and they decide they're going to, you know, bring up the bridge and see what what goes on and see what's what's happening with this, right? Um, yeah, so they decide to, they they're going to they, they, they wait. The ship jumps. I've got here in my notes. Hmm. Oh yes, yes. When yeah. as soon as they get on it, the ship jumps into warp and flies off away from and leaves all the the, the, the crucicles behind, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there's a scene in the that they flash forward to back because they have to have a, you know, a Culber, um, Stamets sort of uh, interlude here. So they go to the, the requisite interlude and they're all joking away in the lunch table and uh, Reno sits down to join you know, the rest of them and Stamets notices Culber across the cafeteria talking to some other chick or whatever, you know, and getting that sort of high school jealousy sort of look on his face or what's going on. And Reno's like, you know, hey, dude, why don't you, why don't you go deal with this? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, right? Anyway, so a few seconds later, we flashed, you know, I guess a little while later, um, Reno comes into the uh, medical area, medical bay, with with a an emergency. <laughs> yes, a medical emergency. And, and I love this because it's a throwback to a line that DeForest Kelly says in one of the Star Treks, and I can't remember which, which one it is, but she actually has a hangnail. Yeah. yeah. So she has a hangnail emergency, right? Hurts like heck. Yeah. And she says, I'm looking for an idiot whose name rhymes with poo. Yeah. And uh, and then she, as he's examining her, uh, he rips off the, the hangnail to, to solve her problem. And he notices that she's wearing a wedding ring. And she says, I didn't know you were married. He goes, yes, my wife, you know, and I go, were married, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, oh, where's your wife now? She passed away in the Klingon War. And she says to him, you know, you have a second chance and it may not last forever. So don't screw it up. And then she walks out. So she's because uh, she's like, I'm not a poet. I'm an engineer. But but that's her, her bit of advice to to uh, Culber to basically, you know, you've got this guy who's like, you know, devoted to you. Yep. Don't let it slip. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't pay sl- off. It's kind of a weird. They have this that sort of interlude. They set up that first one. They set up the second one and it doesn't pay off. Obviously, it's it's going to pay off in the last one of the last two episodes. But yeah, well, maybe there's a cliffhanger coming. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. So, um, so decide that they decide to write a program to to um, capture the back on the ship with uh, Spock and Burnham and, and Gant. They decide to write a routine to to like a dummy operating system so that they will attract the virus that is the AI, and they'll capture it and they'll lock it. They'll lock it up in this little compartment or 
whatever, put it on a floppy disk or whatever, or on a USB thumb drive or something. And um, so Spock is job, Spock's job is to kind of go away and, and hold the door open while they, they create this dummy thing. Um, and it turns out that as Gant is talking to Burnham, she kind of looks over at him suspiciously because we all have figured it out by now. Of course, Jonathan knew, you know, before when the guy showed up in the spacesuit <laughs> that uh, Gant is not Gant. He's actually control pretending to be Gant. Again, somebody that, that Burnham would recognize and, you know, would, would have an instant affinity for because, yeah, like, builds the rest trust of the immediately people watching the show. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, builds the trust immediately. Yeah, like the rest of the people in the audience watching the show were, were duped into thinking, oh, yeah, because it was actually, this is a funny thing about about this, this show, which I really do enjoy, is that in season one, you see a character on the bridge for 30 seconds. Yeah, but they pay it forward. Yeah, and then, and then that character ends up being either he's like one of the, he's like the leader of the bad guys in the in the alternate universe, or in this case here, it turns out to be Gant. He's, he's one of the guys sitting on the bridge in, in an early episode of, of, uh, of like, on the, what's the name of the ship again? Shenzhou? Shenzhou, yeah. Shenzhou. Uh, yeah, so he was one of the people that was, was in, and, and, and I, didn't Burnham blow up that ship or something like that? Like wasn't like wasn't shouldn't I, shouldn't he be dead or something? Uh, well, or she kills Georgiou, right? No. So there's, he, I guess he what he sort of says. Uh, I mean, it's him, him, the Borg version of him, right? But basically says, I survived the uh, the Battle of the Binary Stars, which is what they call that sort of uh, the first two episodes of the um, of the series. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm kind of wondering because not very many people did survive that Battle of the Binary Stars. So I guess that's the other question: is is this dude really in section 31 or did control just basically cook him up or you know like yeah. there are just some unsolved mysteries there uh, yeah. m- maybe he really was in section 31 and this and control just sort of took over his body or maybe it just made a copy of this dude you know it's, it's a little unclear but yeah well it w- and obviously it would have to be somebody that would fool michael right yeah because she's she's the center of the show uh so spock realizes that you know that i don't know how spock realizes that that he's burnham has already figured it out because because he sort of says to her of course, typical Goldfinger kind of, you know, I'm the bad guy. This is my whole, I'm going to lay out my whole plan for you, yeah. you know, while before I kill you, right? Yeah. Well, and she goes to reach for her phaser and he basically says, you know, if you reach for that phaser, I'll be there in 0.8 of a yeah. second and I'll fracture your hand in six places. But yeah, it's a Spock is, because Spock is downstairs in the, uh, in yeah. another room and he basically is trying to um, contain control into one area and then he does a diagnostic that basically says have i got all of the elements of control all in this one area and the computer does a search the computer with a male voice by the way which is really weird um does a search and says actually no it's contained in one other place on the ship it's contained inside a carbon-based life form on the bridge and spock goes rutro and mm-hmm. so then he tries to figure out how to reach Burnham, but he can't. And uh, yeah. yeah, it goes from there. So meanwhile, they're having a they're having a fight, Burnham and, and uh, Gant. And of course, he's got the you know the uh, the poke in the eye thing going here, where he's going to try and. She actually manages to do a reboot of the system while she's fighting with with him. But he's meanwhile trying to poke her in the eye to get her. You know, I guess that's how that how they take over these people. Well, he's got a syringe filled with nanites, right? That's what that oh, was. That's what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's trying to basically he's going to jam that 
that in her eyeball because that's clearly how it got transmitted. Uh, I guess or they want to transmit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Spock runs in and tries to do a nerve pinch, and of course the 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 AI says you can't give me a nerve pinch because I don't have nerve endings. Yep. And breaks and his breaks, arm. Breaks his arm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so um, the she fire she's continually firing phasers at him, and and eventually the nanites start to leave his body through a hole that she's carved in his chest with a phaser. And they, you know, like kind of like Z, the zombies in Z, Z Nation, or not Z Nation, World War Z, they climb over each other and sort of animate themselves and trying to get, come across the floor to her. And uh, meanwhile, Spock figures out how to stop them by turning on the magnetic floors and, and basically mobilizes them yep. and saves them. Of course, of course they, they both realize the goal was to turn Michael into into a Borg Michael so that they could take over, right? So, and all, anyway, on the so sur- back- all on the surface of trying to get the sphere data, which is what, it's, what it wants yeah. to basically achieve uh ultimate right so it wanted it basically wanted to get a hold of michael because she seems to be the the one sort of thing in his way and all that sort of thing right so um yeah so uh it turns out that uh so meanwhile uh, um so they've solved that problem and meanwhile back on on the enterprise uh pike has returned with the crystals and is talking to laurel and ash about the fact that uh yeah i kind of met your son when i was down there and and because uh, at one point ash makes a makes a comment the fact that we never or laurel makes a comment they never gave him a name and so yeah he's Spike like says, oh by the way his name's tavanik yeah his name is tavanik and yeah and uh, uh and he sort of it says in sort of almost the same sentence, but in a disjointed way, he says his name is Tavanik and he's your son or whatever. Mm. Uh, and he was meant to be on Boreth because that's his role to basically, and I was meant to be guided by him. So it's all, everything works out well, right? Uh, and then, of course, you know, they can't just leave well enough alone on this show. They have to all of a sudden be surrounded by 30 Section 1 ships uh, with only one option. And, of course, you know, it's the old, again, this is another throwback to the classic Star Trek. You know, when you're when you're completely surrounded and there's, there's a no win situation in front of you. What does Kirk do? Self destruct. He blows up the ship, right? Yeah. So it starts a self destruct sequence, and so this is what they decide to do. They're going to destroy the ship, and so uh, Pike says, "Send a message to Starfleet Command. We're going to abandon the ship and get ready for the whole crew to get off the ship." And uh, that's it. To the end of the show, everybody goes home, and then we have to turn in next week to find out what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yep, that's a good recap. So some some good twists and turns in there you're right it, there was a couple of sort of you know giveaways even when um when tavanek shows up the first time he shows up uh you know they mentioned early uh, i think it was in season one they mentioned the fact that volk being albino is extremely rare right yeah 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 tavanek shows up at the first part i immediately was like oh clearly this must be their son because oh did you really think that at, right at the very beginning yeah wow well yeah i, I didn't, didn't didn't clue in that he was actually about it but not even when, yeah. when he showed up and he was an albino because they, they they do uh again it's a camera trick right so they they show him up there and he's like he's talking and i wasn't thinking about it there but then they show the other two klingons come out with batleth and they stand next to pike like hey we're guarding you you know we'll kick you out if we need to and they are clearly the sort of modern uh discovery style klingons that sort of blue gray color like laurel is um right. and then they so they show the two of them holding the batleth guarding pike and then they cut and they show 
you Tavanic again, and you're like, oh, he's albino. That immediately clicked in. I'm like, why is he so pasty? And I was like, oh, okay, all right, yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't immediately think like I thought maybe there was going to be some sort of thing where you know because he said like past, present, and future, or whatever. I thought maybe he existed in three states, or there was going to be some sort of like you know Ghost of Christmas Past, Present, and Future, or some sort of it's a Wonderful Life version for Pike or something like that. Or I, I didn't know where they were going to go with that, but it, it kind of made me think like, oh, maybe he exists in like one part of the monastery as a baby, one as a boy, and one as a man or something. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it did sort of tweak immediately. I'm like, oh, he's an albino. There's no way there's two albinos. Because they say it's like extraordinarily rare for a Klingon to be an albino, right? So that that did sort of catch my eye. Um, and yeah, again, the, the the convenience of like, oh, I was the only survivor. It's when, he's, when he shows up and he's wearing a spacesuit, everybody else is, they show the dead crucicles and none of them are wearing uh, spacesuits. And then he says, yeah, I was, I was on the ship right. and I was working on this stuff. And yeah. you're thinking to yourself, like, why would you be wearing a space? Like it doesn't, it didn't add up. Right. It, so uh, yeah, that sort of got the, the hackles up. You're like, all right, maybe this is, you know, a load again. I didn't, I, I assumed it was control in some way. I didn't, again, I didn't figure it would be as clear as he had been assimilated, but uh, yeah, it was uh, again, still good twists and turns again, two gun Burnham with her t- double phaser shots, blowing holes through him. And uh, you know, there was some, some interesting mm-hmm. stuff in there. Again, that stuff with Pike was really intense. Like is mm-hmm. really well acted scene. Anson Mount did a, a wonderful job of, of uh, acting with his face in that scene. I mean, uh, you know, that was really stirring stuff. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about this antonym game? Auto antonym game. Auto antonym game. Yeah, that was funny. I, I honestly made me think to myself, as soon as they started playing it, I was like, oh, that's a good game. I should totally find some of my journalism nerd friends and play that. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Again, any scene where they have Linus is, is, is just going to be a, a hoot. I, he's he's yeah. obviously the cameo king at this point. Every time they bring in uh, Linus, the you know, eating his... What is it, yeah, he's the guy who escaped from the Orville, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he's the famously who you know sneezed on somebody in the turbo lift earlier this season. But yeah, yeah he's, he's hilarious. Was, yeah. It is nice. I, I was thinking that as they showed, showed that scene. Obviously, it was built around the whole uh, Jet Reno noticing the, the friction between Stamets and Culber. But the, the, the vibe that they've added in the sort of later half of this season where you're starting to see more sort of bonds between the different people and the extended crew, you know, we're getting to meet more about... Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, the other members of the bridge crew, and you're getting to know them a little bit better, and there and there's a humor to it, and and just sort of a um, yeah, it's just I want to say humanizing because they're not all human, but it's it's personalizing them, it's giving them all a little bit more uh, investment for the for the viewer, right? You, you're starting to care about these characters more, and not, they're not just you know set dressing for what's happening with Burnham and and uh, Saru and Ash, right? Right, right. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a funny scene, and again, the, the, it's funny how they're using Jet Reno this season, she sort of pops in and, you know, has these sort of, you know, she goes in and she crushes scenes. She's really good. She goes in and crushes a couple scenes and then just sort of walks out and it's great. Yeah, she's she's been really sort of fun sort of have her... They haven't overused her. I think that that would be the temptation. You'd have somebody like Tignataro, you'd be like, well, you know, let's get her in there as much as possible. But they just sort of had her, they've had her pop in like three or four episodes. She sort of pops in, you know, kids out of the park and then is gone for a few more episodes. It's great. Yep, yep. Um, you know, Again, the temptation would be like, oh, let's get her in every scene or let's, you know, make her, you know, she's standing in the corner and says something pithy. Like, nope, it's way more impactful when she just sort of pops in and does her thing and then and then bails. Yeah. From an HR perspective, it's kind of odd, though, because, you know, they discover her, they rescue her from the other ship that was abandoned mm-hmm. and they bring her back on Discovery. You would think that they would throw on a 
a shuttle and send her back to the Federation to be, or sorry, Starfleet to be to be uh, reassigned, you know, kind of thing, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, although, but, you know, you never know how that played out. Maybe there was a job opening or whatever, but. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just, hey, by the way, there's a posting here for you. That's a, yeah, it's a good thing you're here, actually. HR, can you go down to the HR department? Is there an HR department on the uh, actual Discovery? Exactly. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, uh, you know, good episode. To, you it know, was a good episode. I, I get, so it's funny because you know Jaime was talking about the fact that he has a hard time um, um, taking notes while watching the show. Well, because I think the difference between well, me, I, you obviously can can write and watch something at the same time. For me, I actually take notes as the things are happening, and, and I'll, I'll have to go back and watch the actual episode. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm not looking at the 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 screen the entire time, right? So if there's any sort of off, you know, in the corner, you, you got to notice this one thing, you know, they're very good about saying, hey, look at that piece of wood in the corner, you know, yeah. it reminds me of blah, blah, blah. And then, then you kind of, you know, then you can, I can hit rewind on the, the PVR and just watch it again, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I've been lucky enough uh, over the years, I had taught myself how to uh, write without looking as a, type, a, yeah. a, a, as a journalist. Well, yeah. I, at first I learned how to do it with a pen and paper, and then I yeah. learned how to do it with a keyboard, and then I learned how to do it with a phone. So. So right. I just keep my iPhone out and I just, I learn how to thumb type without looking at it. And so mm-hmm. I just do that and take my notes and often they need a little spell correct as I go. But, uh, yeah, that's what the commercial yeah, breaks I, for. Arguing with the spell checkers is a big problem. Like I noticed that it likes to change the names of things that, that are, that are Star Trek-y. It wants to put them into, into, you know, Americanese or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I will say my only sort of, uh, you know, huh on the episode was, I, again, it's hard to gauge because the episode lengths are inconsistent. Um, uh, it, it was about, you know, it was almost nine o'clock and that sort of culminating scene of, you know, we're going to blow up the ship. And then they cut to a commercial and then they came back and they showed the credits. Yeah, I, like two minutes, two minutes left to go. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really know if they were going to pay that off now or if it's going to pay off next time. It was, it, I did it maybe just because of the way that's cut. If you watch it on, on CBS All Access or you watch it on Netflix uh, and you cut straight from like Pike saying, you know, prepare to abandon ship, we're going to blow it up. Uh, and and then you cut immediately to the credits and you were like, oh, that's the end of the episode and that's conclusion. I, I just feel a little bit sort of caught off guard by this sort of ending of that because I didn't know if it was going to pay forward. There was something else was going to happen. Um, I also found it really interesting. Did you notice that Tilly wasn't in this episode at all? Like, not at all. No, she was on She was on the um, in the, the game. Oh, was she in the game? I didn't. Yeah, I, she was there. Yeah, she yeah. was just laughing because. So, what is the antonym game like? It, like, all, the only one I heard was was I, I didn't get the words they were saying. I was take, busy taking notes. So, like, what? I've never heard of that game either. I didn't know that oh, was a. Okay. No, I just wondered what, what an antonym is or whatever. Well, an auto antonym is a is a uh, it is a word with multiple meanings mm-hmm. uh, that mean the opposite of one another. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah. What, it, <laughs> what was the what was the one they used in the episode? I can't remember. Yeah, it's oversight. It was a, I think was the one, right? Oversight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I, I've never heard of that being a thing, but it's it's certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. There's a list online. So, oh, here we go. Um, so, appropriate can mean to give money or to delegate to, as well as to take yeah. something away. Yeah. So, to give or to take can be appropriate or appropriate, right? Like, so right, right. Uh, yeah. There's a whole bunch. There's actually a really good list on online here. This. Uh, um, yeah, there's a good like 30 or 40 of them in here. Uh, oversight, peruse, refrain, scan, mm-hmm. story, weather. Yeah, it's, that's a neat. It's a neat. I, again, I, 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 
I'm the kind of word nerd that who is like, as soon as I heard that game, I was like, I totally want to play that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, probably best that I don't. Another yet another way to make enemies. Sure, sure, right. So you got you got here in the notes, Doom Patrol, Happy, and Detective One Hundred. What, what's that about? Yeah. So last week in our um, in our watch lists, uh, I had flagged multiple things that I wanted uh, to to tag up with in in the week uh, we had in between, and so uh, I managed three out of four. So tonight is the first episode of. Uh, uh, Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone Jordan Peele reboot in Canada is on tonight. Uh, so I haven't mm-hmm. obviously watched that because it, it's oh right yeah it's on as we speak. Uh, but I did manage to watch the first two episodes of Doom Patrol uh, that aired on the Space Channel here on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched the first episode of Happy, obviously, which was on right as uh, as we were recording last week. Uh, episode two is recording away as we speak, and, and I did uh, purchase and read. Uh, Detective Comics 1000. So I thought I would just sort mm-hmm. of give my um, thoughts. So did you watch Happy? I did watch Happy, yeah. And, and what was your impression of Happy Episode 1, uh, Season 2? Uh, it, it made me happy. Yeah. Uh, lots, lots of blood, like you said. Um, oh, I mean, that the fight scene was stupendous. That Where he's trying desperately not to kill people and he keeps killing everybody. You said you yeah. wouldn't kill anybody, but you just killed everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was really funny. Um, well, I mean, the, I didn't, I mean, it, it's funny, like, I don't enjoy scenes like the teacher parent teacher interview where he's a complete idiot and he basically you know ruins the kid's chance of of ever having a decent life at school yeah it's sort of the lucy you know lucille ball you know she always goes into the factory and and or she always has some scheme that ends up going horribly 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 wrong and i i watch those shows and they they make me very anxious because yeah all the while you're thinking don't do that stop (laughs) doing that you know it's it's kind of like i don't watch horror, horror movies but you know there's always the scene in the horror movie where you, the violin music comes up and the girl says, I'm just going to go out and use the outhouse, you know, yeah, yeah. the night. And you're like, don't do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sax uh, being at a parent-teacher interview is probably not a good recipe for success and clearly it goes way off the rails. Although it, they do make it pretty clear in there that his daughter is a bit of a hellion. She's clearly having a tough time after her uh, kidnapping last season and, and it's left her pretty uh, messed up. So she's clearly uh, got some figuring out to do but uh i thought yeah i thought it was a great first episode you know uh again just it's such a great mix of sort of you know uh hard-boiled versus uh slapstick versus uh, some pretty pithy writing in there too um and the villains of course you know last season was focused around christmas time and this one of course couldn't resist easter, so right? easter so there's a whole easter theme that opening scene with the nuns um was one of the yeah, funniest things i've ever yeah. seen on television the, really? the, oh my god are you kidding me? The nuns trying to beat the hell out of each other to try and, and not be the ones who blow up? That was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but well, no, uh, actually, it was the other way around. They were told that one of them would blow up. Well, the the one nun says she was told, like, the one who survives says, oh, we were told that if we pressed the button that we would, we'd be the ones who died. But I think she was lying to the cops because she just killed all of her sisters. So. Oh, you think? Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Why would she lie? She's a nun. Because she just killed all her sisters and she doesn't want to be, you know, basically hauled on for... for she basically making the choice to kill everybody to save herself oh okay all right no i don't i, I didn't think i i i don't know again this is me being naive i probably thought she was thinking she could get it because she 
thought she was blowing herself up when she found the when she found the the balloon and pushed the button. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think she was she was attempting to to kill herself, and the rest oh. of them were trying to like no, none of us should die, kind of thing. I don't know. I, it's nuns. What do you? What do I know? Yeah, really. Who knows? Um, so yeah, I also watched the uh, the first two episodes of Doom Patrol. No, uh, I, I PVR'd them, but I haven't watched it yet. But that's yeah, fine. Go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll do the non spoiler review. I really mm. enjoyed it. I think it is one of the best adaptations of of comics that I've seen in, in quite a while. Um, Doom Patrol is a and has always been since its inception a very weird comic book. Um, some incarnations are, are weirder than others. The, obviously, this one's drawing a lot of inspiration from the nineteen um, nineties Grant Morrison weirdness run. Uh, but it's got this amazing cast. There's they've you know casted the heck out of it. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, it's very self aware and uh, yeah, the vibe is really great. And I am I'm I'm, I'm now chipping at the bit to watch more. We got the first two episodes here, and now it's going to be airing weekly on Space on Tuesday nights. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, in the United States, they're already up to episode eight was on this week. So uh, it's it's frustrating knowing that there's so much more out there that we're that sort of far behind the curve. Um, I think the expectation was, I think somebody said it was going to be 15 episodes for the first season. Uh, but I'm, I really, really dug the first two episodes. So I, I'm, Sorry, I'm have in. we missed, like, did we I'm miss an in. episode on Tuesday? Uh, there was back-to-back episodes. There was two episodes. No, on. yeah, I know it started last week, though. Right? Uh, no, this, this, it was this week was two episodes to start. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because okay, I'm watching. Yeah, I've been busy trying to restore my Mac. All yeah, week, so. yeah, no, it's again. I, I will tell you and and uh, anyone who's listening, it's it's worth making the effort, especially uh, the first two sort of back to back. It they you kind of have to watch both to sort of get a sense of the first one. Sort of gives you the characters, and then it sort of builds on like how it all comes together a little bit from there. Um, so B- Brendan Fraser is Robot Man or whatever. He is. Uh, He's like completely covered up he well i i don't know that he's actually doing the physical acting in the robot man suit or if he's just doing the voice um i I, it's a good question actually Um, Yeah, because i kind of wonder like like what could he just do the voice right because he's an older dude he's like my age isn't he um i think he's somewhere between you and me i would say he's probably in his early 50s maybe Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean he looks uh he you know he there are scenes with him as a person and he looks you know he's looking a little older and a little heavier and and everything else but uh yeah because he was in that um the movie about um john paul getty's um Oh, the grandson. kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I, he I plays never saw the that one. Texas cop who was doing the negotiation. He was really good in that, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's having a bit of a renaissance. It's good. It's good for him. Um, but yeah, again, I, wholehearted endorsement. That makes me think I should go back because they actually debuted the Doom Patrol in that Titan series. They were in one of the episodes. Um, oh, really? hmm. Which I guess comes later. Uh, the Titans crossover would be later in the continuity of time from these episodes. But, Wait, so the Titans are in Doom Patrol or the other way around? No, so uh, Titan came first. It was the first DC All Access exclusive TV series that you can now watch in Canada on Netflix. Um, and in one of those episodes, the Doom Patrol appear. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. They are, right. they are special guest stars. That was sort yeah. of a backdoor pilot to, hey, maybe we're going to do this. And then, of course, they did that. Uh, and the Doom Patrol has now has its own series. Um, it's, they're not really, like, they don't mention the Titans or anything in this uh, in Doom Patrol. So you don't really need to have that. But it, I, 
Titans has been on my radar anyways, and now I'm kind of curious as to how they tied those things together. So I'm, I'm going to go back and watch that soon. But uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah. The other thing that I did, yeah, I bought the uh, the Detective 1000. I bought uh, the which cover did you get? I bought the Jim Lee cover. I was I was tempted by some of the other ones. There's lots and lots of good choices uh, at my local comic book shop. Um, but yeah, that one it just is a classic classic Jim Lee cover. He, it's a wraparound. It's really pretty. Um, he did one of the stories inside. Kevin Smith wrote and Jim Lee drew a really cool little uh it's basically it's a series of short stories uh, it's 96 or 90 yeah 94 or 96 pages so it's pretty thick for a comic book um so it'd be you know about four times as big as an average comic book um and basically it's carved up into a series of you know eight page stories eight ten page stories by different creators from different uh you know famous combinations of different people so uh, as i said kevin smith did some uh brian michael Bendis is one of their most famous comic book writers, wrote a, a piece for it. Um, we had uh, Paul Dini, of course, who wrote uh, Batman in the Animated Series, wrote, wrote a piece for it. Tom King, uh, son of Stephen, who's a, a very uh, popular comic book writer and has been writing Batman for the last few years, did a piece. Um, and a, a bunch of famous artists uh, as well, uh, you know, some pinups and everything else. It's You don't have to know what's going on in current DC continuity. You don't have to know. All you have to know is who Batman is. And and you can pick up that right, book and right. really enjoy it. Really cool to see all that talent in one place. Some really neat little sort of, uh, you know, nods to not just Batman, but Batman as a detective. Uh, you know, sometimes that slips through the cracks, especially uh, in in the uh, film versions. You lose that a little bit. But uh, yeah, definitely really a nice homage. Uh, full props to the folks over at DC. You know, uh, if you're going to have a milestone like this, you know, go big. Uh, you could do one big sort of story to sort of try and wrap that up. But this this series of short stories is, was really, really cool. And it, it's nice to see uh, so many different interpretations of, of the character through that. So, yeah, definitely worth worth a read. Cool. All right. Well, let's get to the watch list. What do you got on the watch list? Yeah, so just a couple of things. So we uh, we talked about last week. I'm still keen to see Shazam. Um, it looks like a fun corner of the DC uh, extended movie universe, um, you know, we've kind of obviously we've been a little critical here and i think a lot of people have obviously of, of the sort of Zack snyder very dark take on the the dc comics universe and film um shazam looks like it's just a lot of fun i'm sure there's it's some, in the imax too eh? did you it, see that it is so uh yeah we'll have to talk about that uh in our in our post game show about uh whether or not we're going to make make an effort to go see that this weekend but it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun it was filmed here in toronto so uh you know i'm sure there'll be lots of little little sites for those of us who are in the know um and yeah it just it just looks like it's going to be again i'm you know come and go on the character i've enjoyed some shazam and uh, captain marvel stories you know we talked about this captain marvel is actually the character's name in the comic books um i've enjoyed a lot of those over the years um there's been some really good takes and you know there's something something really cool about that whole uh you know through the eyes of a child thing you know the idea is that basically he's a he's a you know a tween boy who gets the powers of a god um you know it's big it's tom hanks is big but adding in superheroics um you know he's there he's got his buddy the two of them are like oh my god we could totally do this stuff and you know all the stupid stuff you would do if you were suddenly a a child who could become an adult and not just an adult but a beefcake adult who you know can fly and you know knock over buildings with a single punch and everything else so i, I think it's going to be fun I'm, I'm i'm very curious to see this one mm -hmm. um the other thing that i had on here was uh big mouth so <laughs> it had been on my radar for a while 
while. There's, there's two seasons already up on Netflix. It had been on my radar to watch for a while. I'd heard that it was sort of uh, a pretty over-the-top cartoon. Um, so I sat down and watched the first couple episodes this week. And uh, it's everything that it was advertised. It's it's really gross. It's, it's you know, uh, it's about uh, a group of sort of, again, sort of teen, preteen kids who are, you know, suddenly uh, experiencing puberty and other stuff. But it's, it's just sort of no holds barred. It's, you know, it's graphic and it's hilarious. Um, the talent on the show is amazing. There's so many good voice actors, actors, uh, John Mulaney, Nick Kroll. Um, it, it, it really caught my eye. So I'm, I'm going to sort of plow through these episodes now. They're only a half hour, you know, sitcom-y kind of things. Um, but yeah, way over the top, really, really funny, very, very not safe for work, very, very vulgar, very, very, uh, um, adult humor, but with through the eyes of children. And, uh, yeah, it's great. That's great. I highly recommend it. But I'm cool. Keep, keep right. plowing through the rest of that. Cool. All right. So for me, um, I've got First Man. I've just finished reading the novel. I'm just actually, I've got like maybe a couple of pages to go in it. But it's interesting because it goes to the same places that the that the movie went to, but, you know, without the sort of um, brooding Ryan Gosling in it. Um, but it, uh, it's an interesting interesting read about the, the whole uh, life of Neil Armstrong in particular, uh, because what's interesting about it is that they kind of land, it's like 20 or 30 chapters long, and I think around chapter 20 is when they're actually walking on the moon, and then the rest of it is like, oh my god, what they had, like, so it took four days to go to the moon, they were on the moon for like one day, no, I don't think, don't even know if it was a full day. I think it was 20 hours, yeah. Yeah, they they had, uh, and there was there were three opportunities where they could decide to stay or go, and so they went through all three of those, and then they walked on the moon for just under three hours, and they got back in the thing, they had, a, they had a sleep, and then they came back, it took four days to get back. But then they went on like at one like at one point they were in quarantine for three weeks. They you know the people came to visit them. Then they went on a twenty five city tour in forty four days. Wow! And then like the the going to the moon was the easy part. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and every then, city uh, gave them a ticker tape parade. Yeah, then, exactly. And, and he said like at one point they were throwing IBM. You know, they were throwing out computer cards like like oh, yeah. uh, bricks of computer cards. And the idea was that you know they would they, the air, wind would catch them and they would fall apart but often the, the bricks of, of of computer cards didn't come apart and they were like bombing the car <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were like dense in the car from these these bricks of uh, of cars landing on them right but yeah nice. it was like littered with stuff and and the, you know the people asking him for stuff and then you know he was told by he, he met Charles Lindbergh at one point he said don't sign anything and next thing he knew he, and he didn't realize he, he signed things whenever people asked for like 30 years and then his autograph would turn up on on eBay, like you know, a week later, right? Um, other interesting things, like, and they talk about at one point. The author talks about the fact that there is not a single picture of Neil Armstrong on the moon. They're all of Buzz Aldrin hmm. because Buzz Aldrin never took a picture of Neil Armstrong on the moon. That's funny. Yeah, and then there's all sort of the. No, well, I mean, no, there, no, no, to clarify, you mean photograph, right? Obviously, we have uh, um, video footage. There, all you see is his shadowy arm on the moon. You don't. You never seen. You don't have it. There's no footage of Neil Armstrong on the moon well on the on the documentary oh, there's, some, yeah, there's some video of him walking there's around a, yeah, there's yeah. the video that was the actually window. mounted on the leg of the of the that's lander true, that's true. yeah and that, then well that's new 
footage. I mean, that I mean, at the time the book was written, that I don't think that footage had been discovered because that the movie we saw Apollo Eleven. That's all. A lot of that's new footage. Yeah, that's newfound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like him, him dragging the the video camera out with a big giant long cable on it. Yeah, but there's no actual photographs of all the photographs. The photograph that I have here in my room is is of signed by Buzz Aldrin is taken by Neil Armstrong, right? Yeah, to, yeah, right. Yeah. So and they talk about putting the flag up. They they had trouble getting into the into the soil because they they hadn't planned they, the flag was a last minute thought right they hadn't really rehearsed it and if you look at the picture I've got here they weren't able to pull the top piece out far enough and so the flag's all wrinkly and uh, Neil Armstrong thought that you know because he was a Boy Scout he thought that uh, the the flag should not be like pretending it's flying it should be flat like it should hang down like a, like a flag would right mm. in gravity but uh, yeah he he didn't he lost that argument mm-hmm. but it, yeah it's, it's an interesting read like from the point of view of like all the all the stuff that he had to go through you know being and all all the while thinking like he sort of says you know i was just one of 400 people that that made this happen and it was no there was no he wasn't designated to be the first man on the moon he just happened to be the commander of of the flight and it just worked out that he was the first one out the door sort of thing right yeah um that you know it wasn't that he was designated like or chosen or you know you know blessed to be the first guy on the moon he was just it just happened to be in the right place at the right time sort of thing right yeah and so he always felt that you know he didn't like the fact that he was singled out as the most important person but like as an example, they were saying like I, I paid like five hundred dollars or something for this picture signed by Buzz Aldrin, and they were saying that Neil Armstrong's sig- signature goes for hundreds, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Really? Like yeah, like, like crazy expensive. I don't know if that's that what, that's the exact number, but yeah, they're, they're, his his autograph is one of the most sought sought after autographs. Because he he just stopped signing at a certain point, or well, like Lindbergh told him to stop doing it, right? So you know, hmm. and you know, at one point he was he he would write uh, he would write a personal letter to um, Eagle Scouts when they became an Eagle Scout. And then, of course, once the Eagle Scouts found out that he was doing that, then they would you know, send, constantly send him you know, requests to do it. And he kind of just had to stop doing stuff after a while because yeah. it just got too too much for people. People just wanted a piece of him, right, sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of, a, it's it's melancholy, but, you know, um, you know, and like when he died, they, the a government offered to have a state funeral for him, but his wife sort of said, no, we'll just have a regular funeral. And they had a, a ceremony for him at, at uh, in Washington but they didn't want a state funeral because that's reserved for presidents, right? Yeah, yeah. Anywho, so that, that's, uh, yeah, if you're interested in the story at all, I, I do recommend uh, plowing through the book. It's a bit dry. It's not really, I don't think it's really written very well, but um, but yeah, it's, it's it's very factual is what I guess is the way to say it, right? So, hmm. and of course, you know, they play up a lot of drama in the in the movie that didn't happen. Like, he, like there's no evidence that, or nobody knows and there's no evidence that he actually took anything of his daughters and, you know, like in the movie, they have a scene where he throws her bracelet into this big crater. Um, he did go visit the crater, but but uh, whether he threw something in there or not, nobody knows, and he's never said anything about it, right? So hmm. Interesting. Um, the other thing I want to mention is I did finish watching Umbrella Academy. I've, I've had my computer had to be restored in the last couple of weeks, couple of days, so I've had time to kill, but hmm. in the meantime, I was watching Umbrella Academy on the tube, mm-hmm. so I managed to get through all that. It was a really interesting take on, on the whole superpower kind of um, genre, right? So, mm-hmm. so I got through that 
Um, and that, again, also filmed in Toronto and and parts of Hamilton, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, every time there's a Toronto scene on there, you know, our our, our eyes just kind of go, hey, I recognize that bike bike stand, and hey, I recognize that place, and oh, look, there's the Rogers Center, you know. Yeah, the pawn shop. At one point, they walk by the pawn shop. I'm like, oh, I've been in there. Which pawn shop is that? It's so one of the ones over on Church. Oh, Church. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, at, yeah at one point, they're like standing outside. They're having a conversation outside of a pawn shop. I'm like, I totally know exactly where they're standing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's good. I enjoyed that too. Um, uh, obviously, it also ends on a bit of a cliffhanger too. So uh, they did confirm. I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I, I did see news. I think it was unofficial this week. There was a few different sites that were reporting that it's, it's coming back for season two for sure. Um, and there was a weird uh, sort of kerfuffle. Again, I haven't brought it up because I haven't been able to confirm it, but I'll, I'll throw the idle speculation out here. But there was a weird tweet from the the young man who plays um, uh, number five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, apparently tweeted out this week. He was like, you know, hey, I had the time of my life. Thanks for everything. And everyone was like, does that mean the show got canceled? Does that mean he's not coming back? And so that that... that I don't haven't seen how that has resolved whether or not he is coming back or whether or not that was related to something else. Um, I will I will pursue that one. We'll see if I can get a follow up on that one. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people who were like, "Oh, cool show, lots of good lots of good moments." When's the next one? And they were like, "Maybe." So still no official word from Netflix whether they're doing more. I thought it had been renewed. I heard uh, something the other day. Yeah, again, I, I saw it a couple of days ago. That that, but it was on a couple of sites that I'm not. Uh, um, right, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to reference. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw, I heard something the other day that was. Uh... Oh, Variety. Yeah, no. Yep, you're right. You're right. So yeah, I saw this. Uh, I guess late last week there was a few um, um, what I will Rumors, yeah. what I will call blogs. They're they're not necessarily what I would call reputable news sources. Obviously, yeah. they were accurate, so maybe I should pay them more credence. But uh, yeah, Variety.com is reporting it now, and I would take them as a, a reputable news source. So yes, it's definitely legit, season, yeah. season two. So. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. Good. Yeah. All right. And my last uh, thing on the watch list here is I just – so I was listening to the – reading the book, and uh, they talked about a 60 Minutes interview with Neil Armstrong and Ed Bradley Jr., right? And I thought, oh, I'll go on YouTube, and I'll just see if there's if that video is floating around. And, of course, there's a link to the CBC we- CBS website that has the article on it, but it says, watch it on CBS All Access. And I went, what are you talking about? Anyway, I, I followed the link, and I, I ended up on a, a – so, like, you know, one of those ads that fills up the page that you have to click the X to get rid of? CBS All Access. Hello, Canada. Yeah, sign I noticed up. they have an app on uh, Apple TV now, too. Yeah, sign up now and stream thousands of episodes, commercial-free, plus live, blah, 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 blah. Join now and get one month free. Yeah, why would we pay for something that we already get as part of our packages, right? Well, that's, I guess, the real question is, is uh, I guess you can get a commercial-free, not that you can't get that from Crave here, as far as Star Trek. We already know that City TV, which is a standard cable channel here in Canada, right, yeah, is yeah. Carrying uh, Twilight Zone, so I'm not sure where the appeal is. I, I had the same occurrence when I saw that on. Uh, it was just the other day. I was looking on Apple TV for something, and I noticed that they had an app built in. And I thought, why the heck would you need an, an app for that? Why would you even want that here? Why would you pay for that? Um, you know. Well, well, and then there's a whole like like how we don't get TV shows in Canada that are available in the states, right? Yeah. Like the how do they cross that border, right? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Uh, maybe you should drop down some money and find out for us. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. 
Yeah, <laughs> not that interested. No, no, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Maybe, but maybe this is the future. Maybe we're all going to end up like, like I said. Okay, we've been complaining about paying eighty to hundred dollars for cable TV all these years, and so people have been cutting the cable left, right, and center, and going to these new online services, right? But now, if we end up having to pay these guys fifteen bucks, and we have to pay Disney fifteen bucks, we have to pay Marvel fifteen bucks, and DC fifteen bucks, aren't we paying eighty five dollars a month anyway, or, or way more at the way th- yeah. the way things are going i wonder i wonder where the first ones will start to see so right now we're seeing it all fracture right so they they're creating yeah. content and they're fracturing so disney was working with uh netflix they had a partnership to to distribute their movies and also to make original shows we talked about that with daredevil and jessica jones and those uh so the fracture starts when they're like you know what why are we doing this partnership with you netflix we should create our own thing that we have our own revenue stores source and we can do our own thing fine so they fracture away from that and so we see fracture 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 everybody's doing their own thing i wonder where we're going to start to see a bundling happening uh i think jaime mentioned in our last episode that uh you now get uh hulu if you have a spotify subscription uh in the states you know obviously here we don't have hulu yet um i wonder when we're going to see more partnerships like that pop up where yeah you pay 20 bucks a month but you get these three services or you know if you're you know bundling by genre like if you know you pay this much you get you know dc's app but you also get you know a couple other sci-fi or horror or fantasy or whatever related things uh which is essentially down the road if these things are all fractured aren't they just you know cable channels like that's you know where's where's the tipping point yeah yeah general yeah i i don't get it uh, hopefully people will stop doing that because i can't afford it all <laughs> and there's no, so much exactly, good content yeah. well but and honestly like there's just not enough time in the week you know the number of things that have fallen through cracks i have a list i keep on my phone that's called the tv to-do list and it's all the stuff that i would like to watch so if i find myself sitting there thinking i'm uh, oh there's nothing on tv which i mean that's not true ever anymore mm-hmm. um, i can refer to my list and be like, oh yeah, I wanted to watch that. Oh yeah, I wanted to watch that um, across these different platforms. But yeah, there's just, there's no shortage. We, we were just talking earlier about Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger is a comic book I read for years. I've heard good things about the show that they did on Freeform last year. Yeah. Um, it's made it all the way to the start of season two now, and I have not watched a single episode. I've have it on my PVR. It's been on there for eight months. Um, you know, it, there's just there's too many choices. There's not enough time. You know, even my uh, you know. Number our number one fan there, our, my fifteen year old son says the same thing. I, you know, I want to I want to play this awesome video game that's got highly rated, and I want to listen to this music, and I also mm-hmm. want to watch this show. And there's these movies that are piled up. And mm-hmm. you, there's not enough time in the day. If honestly, no if I took time. if I took a year off, I don't think I could finish all the things that I want to watch. Now we had some time crystals. Well, you know, yeah, but then you'd find out that you have to, you know, you only have a limited time to watch it before you're a vegetable in a chair, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, then you can watch all the TV you want. I guess, although change the channel is a real pain in the butt after that. I suppose, suppose. Blink once for change channel. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right. And I am Tim Mitra. T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me. So until next week, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. 
If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Yeah, oh, we're all happy. I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm more curious to watch more happy because I enjoyed that so much. Yeah, yeah. Don't know. The scene where the two guys are fight, they're fighting, and the, the blood is all over the floor, and they can't get their their grip on the floor. Oh my god, that mm, was just, mm-hmm. that was just so disgusting, but so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Fan Expo's been flogging uh, tickets for a while, and recommending me go get signatures and stuff already. Yeah, the advanced tickets uh, already. I guess. Uh, yeah. 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 I am. Imagine just like every year, we will be there at least one day. Again, this was the first year where I felt like I definitely could have gone back for at least one more day. Just, really? Just, yeah. I, I I feel like often, you know, I, I feel like I can do more, like I, I can manage to sort of see everything in a day. This time, again, I, there was a few artists that I really wanted to mm-hmm. meet, get got some autographs, and, and I wanted to spend time with my sons and hang out with you and we sort of look at stuff. Yeah. I, we, we were there for hours. We were there for like six hours this year, and I still... I didn't even make it to the north building. We like walked through it. Really? Like it was just there's just too much to see, too much to do. Um, yeah, there's just a lot going on. And again, obviously both uh, both the boys went with me, and they want to do different things, and they're looking at stuff. Although it's nice as they get into their teens now, where I can be like, "Here's your phone. Text me if you need me. Otherwise, I'm going to yeah. be over there with the comic book guys, and you can hang out with the video game guys." And yeah. You know. Well, last year I went and saw the uh, the uh, Discovery crew, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Again, it's stuff like that where, like, again, we, we often go on the Friday. It starts on Thursday and runs till Sunday. Mm-hmm. Often we go on the Friday because it's a little less crazy and it's a little less expensive. Some of the guests aren't there, but if you're not really there to see the celebrities, it's not that big a deal. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you do miss out on They do a lot of the prestige, uh, you know, panels and, and guest speaking appearances and stuff like that on the Saturday and Sundays too so uh, yeah I mean maybe we'll have to sort of see what the the final total is as far as who they're bringing in and what they're having and stuff maybe it's a, it's a year to finally step up and get that weekend pass again or uh, or <laughs> something else I don't know does it qualify now can we go as, as spotcast should we apply for the media pass I was pass? just thinking the same thing like like uh, live yeah. on the scene can we do a live well, they, have, uh, they have the internet internet uh, what section they have here internet internet celebrities Are, do we follow fall into that category I, I don't I'm not sure we could go as guests. I was thinking maybe we could go as media members. We'll just we'll apply as oh, uh, a, a spot casters, and what we'll do is we'll do a live from. Uh, yeah. you know, we'll get Jaime on the on the on the uh, the, the uh, Skype, yeah, Skype, and we'll Zoom. have a conversation and yeah, yeah. Zoom, and then we'll uh, have a cardboard cutout of him. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We'll we'll take can him we around. Panel? Can we do like a panel panel uh, submission? Honestly, that might be one of the best things we could possibly do is to get the the full uh, life size standee of the. 
Dev with the hair, with the hair. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll take him around everywhere. And we'll pose with him. We'll get some meet some celebrities and some costume cosplayers. We'll get pictures taken with Jaime. It'll be great. So it says, how do I apply to be part of a Fan Expo Canada panel? There's a whole page on here. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I did. Uh, hmm? I, I actually moderated a couple of panels there in the past. Did you? Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. I did uh, the last one. I did was with um, was a Q and A with Paul Dini, which was really cool. I got a chance to meet Paul. I'd, I'd, I'd interviewed him before, but uh, got to spend mm-hmm. uh, some time with him. And uh, he's he, he's great. He he not only did he uh, write the Batman the animated series, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, he's also a comic book writer as well. Um, but he also uh, uh, yeah, he's a really super nice guy. You know, like it was, it was really cool to sort of you know sit, sit up there on the podium with them and uh, just you know ask them some questions and mm-hmm. it helped sort of facilitate that for for an hour and yeah it was kind of kind of a kick. Cool. All right. But back when I was a, a, a somebody who knew something about comic books and could sit up on a stage. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I gotta go. Uh, all right. I'll be in touch. Okay. Bye. All right. See ya. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.